0: You're listening to the Cornerstone Word of Life Church podcast. We hope you enjoyed this teaching from Pastor Rhonda. For more information on our church, please visit cwol.org. I want to read you the lyrics to the song, The Blessing, by um, Carrie Job, Cody Carnes. A lot of the scripture he gave is right here. But he also set up my sermon with those scriptures. The lyrics are this, the Lord bless you. And keep you. Make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Amen, amen, and amen. May his favor be upon you to a thousand generations and your family and your children and their children and their children. May his favor be upon you to a thousand generations, to your family and your children and their children and their children. May his presence go before you and behind you and beside you, all around you and within you. He is with you. He is with you. In the morning, in the evening, in your coming and your going, in your weeping and rejoicing, he is for you. He is for you. He is for you. He is for you about 50 times. He is for you. But you know what? Sometimes in this day, I think we need to hear that. God didn't give COVID to punish us. All this nonsense in our world, right in the middle of it, God is is for us. He is for us. He is for us. And his blessing goes before us. And his presence is around us. And he's blessing us. Oh, us and our children and their children and their children and their children. His faithfulness extends to all generations of those who put their trust in him. Wow. That's amazing. Thank you, Travis. That blessed me if it didn't bless anybody else. Uh, I wanted to continue along the subject of legacy. We started talking last Wednesday night about how every decision we make affects not only our lives, but it affects the generations that come after us. And I gave you several examples uh, that I personally know of, people who in, you know, one or two generations, uh, people who turned their back on God and did not serve him, though they knew better, the destruction that came into their family. I told you an example about how I'd seen that line change the other way somebody whose parents uh weren't serving god but they they started serving god and now they're blessed and their children are blessed and they're passing down a better heritage to their children than was passed on to them i tell you uh, we looked at a bunch of scriptures about how the kings in the old covenant how many times did it say he took after his father before him I think I read you, you know, 10 instances or so, whether that be for good or for bad, they followed in the footsteps of their father. Why? Because it's your example that speaks so much louder than your words. I don't know about you, but I want to set a good example. Rather than giving my family stuff that has to be unpacked and discarded later, Stuff they got to get over. I joke everybody needs something to tell their, their counselor someday. But I'm just joking. We don't have to leave that kind of a legacy. We can leave a legacy of faith. Proverbs thirteen twenty two says, A good man leaveth an inheritance to his children's children, and the wealth of the sinner is laid up for the just. You know, I think it'd be wonderful if you were wealthy enough to leave an inheritance of finances to your children's children. But a monetary, that's your grandkids, but a monetary inheritance is not all that this verse is talking about. Let's look at it in the Amplified Classic. A good man leaves an inheritance of moral stability and goodness to his children's children. And the wealth of the sinner finds its way eventually into the hands of the righteous for whom it was laid up. Listen, you can leave a legacy. And you know what if it's too late for you to leave one with your natural kids? Even if you were just a bonehead or, you know, you messed up or you weren't serving God when they were in the house, that's all right. You can start from this moment. And even if you don't have kids, you've got people in your life. I'm telling you, people, uh, you, we, everybody we run across, we affect one way or another, either for good or for bad, for God or for evil. You know, I was driving home tonight and this guy behind me, I don't know what in the world, was his problem, exactly. Uh, but he was being so aggressive. And, and I mean, he would like try to pass me when he couldn't pass me. And I was thinking, dude, you can't be in that big a hurry, you know? Uh, and you know, I it was just anyway. And then as he, as I turned off one way and he went straight, he flips me a bird. And I'm thinking, I, I just laughed because I thought, you know, that was so stupid that I know who was behind that. And you know what? I said, I recognize you, devil. I recognize your influence. And I'm still going to kick your butt tonight. (laughs) So you can cause people to do whatever you can cause them to do, and I'm not moved. Anyway, we need to leave an inheritance of, of godliness The greatest legacy we can leave our family is a true, vital, alive, living faith in the Most High God. I've never received much of a financial inheritance from my family. Not that you needed to know that, but now you do. I received no financial inheritance at all when my grandparents passed. And I received a financial inheritance of a couple hundred bucks from my mom's life insurance when she passed. A couple hundred. That's the grand total of all my financial inheritance to date. But my parents and my grandparents left me something even more valuable than money. And that is a priceless spiritual heritage. Now listen, if you've been around here a while, you know my parents were not perfect. You know, at a lot of points, they just weren't even very good. I've talked to you about how I felt growing up and the things that I've had to overcome as an adult and as, as a young person. But you know what? One thing they did do was repeatedly go to their knees and taught me to do the same. They led me to Christ when I was a little girl, a legacy for which I am forever grateful My dad uh, talked about one of our ancestors clear back many, many generations ago in his line, perhaps hundreds of years ago, who was a follower of God with all of his heart and spent countless hours in prayer for his family and the future generations of his family, which were to come, of which I am one. On my dad's side, my great-grandmother was born in 1887. She lived a long, full life and passed a great spiritual heritage to her children, one of which was my grandmother, who passed it to my dad, who passed it to me. Honey, give me, I guess, give me the bigger one first. This is my great-grandmother's Bible from the late 1800s, early 1900s. It just blesses me to read the pages that she would have read 120 years ago. I thank God for that heritage. On my mom's side, my grandmother was a follower and a lover of God. My grandpa, too. But my grandma, she, you know... You did, My grandma, she was the matriarch. You know what I mean? Uh, she pastored a church when my mom was very small, which I think is ironic because that was way before it was cool. She, too, spent countless hours praying for her family line, of which I am one. She used to sit in her rocking chair. I can see her to this day and pray. When my grandmother died in 1979 and then my grandfather a few years later, I don't remember the exact date that he died, but I asked for a Bible and I was given her New Testament. Uh, And so this is my grandma's New Testament. And you know, when I got it, I was almost a little disappointed because it doesn't even have her name in it. But when I got to looking at it, I found this ribbon. My grandmother used to sit in her rocking chair and pray over this ribbon for our family. She said, this ribbon symbolizes the blood of Jesus through our line, through our family line. And she would take this, and she would hold it and pray, Father, the blood of Jesus is over my children. The blood of Jesus is over my grandchildren. And this very ribbon my grandmother sat, they didn't even probably know it was in this Bible. And she had more than one, because I know my my uncle has uh, another one from her real big Bible. But you know what? It blessed me that in this, you know, hidden away inside of there was one of the ribbons that she prayed over, uh, uh, applying the blood of Jesus to our family line doesn't have a name in it but it's got our prayers on it that's good enough for me Your most important job is to leave a living, spiritual legacy of living faith to your children and your grandchildren. And God is interested in and watching how we raise our children and how we're influencing our grandchildren. In fact, it was one of the criteria that God used when he picked Abraham to make a covenant with. Genesis 18, 17. Genesis chapter 18, verse 17. And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do? Go ahead. Next verse. Seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. Verse 19. For I know him. How many of you know God knows you? God said of Abraham, I know him. That he will command his children and his household after him, and they, they, he and his children, shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment, that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he hath spoken of him. In order to be the father of our faith, God had to choose somebody who would teach their children, who would teach their children, who would teach their children, so that it would continue. Abraham taught Isaac, who taught Jacob. And the scriptures, how many times does it say he was the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob? Glory to God. Mm-mm-mm. Some of the newer versions water it down, saying, I know uh, Abraham will, you know, teach my, teach stuff to his kids in the future, something like that. A lot of the modern translations say something like that. So I thought, well, Lord, which one is accurate? Was he already teaching them your ways or were you just sure he would in the future? And I know that may not be a big distinction to you, but, I looked it up in the Young's literal translation. This is a word for word translation. And sometimes it reads awkwardly because, sorry, in the Greek they have a different sentence structure. Uh, but it says, For I have known him that he commandeth his children in his house after him, and they have kept the way of Jehovah to do righteousness and judgment that Jehovah may bring on Abraham that which he hath spoken concerning him. God wanted to bless Abraham. He wanted to use Abraham to be the father of of our, not only their faith, the Jewish people, but the God of our faith, the head. He wanted him to be the spiritual head uh, of those of us who would believe. But it all depended on his willingness to pass it down. One of the reasons, not the only reason, but one of the reasons why God chose Abraham to make a covenant with was because of how Abraham was passing his faith on to his children. That is important to God. Deuteronomy 6.6. Deuteronomy 6.6. And these words which I command thee this day, that's when he gave them the law, shall be in thine heart. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house and then when thou walkest by the way and when thou liest down and when thou risest up and thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes and thou shalt write them upon the posts of thy house and on thy gates." Let's look at it in the Amplified Classic. These words which I'm commanding you this day shall be first in your own minds and hearts. Listen, first it's our responsibility to go after God with all of our heart to run after him, to to pray, to read his word, to, to seek him in the decisions of our lives. It is our responsibility to live that and to model that, not only for our kids and for our grandkids, but for everybody around us who's watching. And mind you, they are watching. When I worked for an insurance company, we used to go out and I used to go to parties with people who were partying at the party, but I would never party at the party. And, you know, I, I just, I would throw in things about God where I could to my coworkers. You know, I didn't do a heavy, heavy sale. Uh, but I—I I mean, I—I I, I lived right before them. I did what I knew to do, and you know what? When I was in India, years and years later, one of the ladies tried to get a hold of me. She called my mom, and she said, "You know, um, I want you to to let Rhonda know that when she worked for the the insurance company, she would always say things to us about God." And at that time, I just blew her off. Well, listen, this girl was climbing up the corporate ladder, and she didn't care who she had to step on to get there. You understand what I'm saying? One of those people, I just step out of the way and let her go. You want promoted before me? Bless God. Here, let me give you a boost. Do you know what I'm saying? Because I ain't fighting you for nothing. Uh, But anyway, uh, she said, "I, I I was diagnosed with some sickness, and I was on my deathbed. And I remembered Rhonda's words, and I cried out to God. She said, I want you to let her know that I did that. Mm. The legacy you're leaving is not just for your kids and for your grandkids, but it's for everybody uh, with whom we have contact. Listen, that dude today may not have noticed I didn't flip him off back, but I didn't. You know, you here, mmm, Please. Deuteronomy 6.6, 6, Amplified Classic. And these words which I am commanding you this day shall be first in your own hearts and minds. Then you shall whet and sharpen them so as to make them penetrate and teach and... And impress them diligently upon the minds and the hearts of your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise up. To me, this goes beyond just teaching, just yammering away with our words. First, it has to be in us, and then we have to take his words. We have to take it and make them so that they penetrate into the minds and hearts of our children. He said to impress them diligently upon their minds and hearts, and that requires effort on our part. Not just spitting words at them, but work at presenting God to them in such a way that they can grasp it, not only with their minds, but with their hearts. When my daughter was little, I'd put her to bed at night. And before I left, I would sit with her and pray with her and sing to her and worship with her until his presence came in the room. Why? Because I wanted her to know him not just know his word, not just know about him. I wanted her to be able to sense his presence, to know when he was there in the room, to know what his presence felt like, to experience him. And I had the opportunity to give her that when she was a little girl. I added extra effort beyond just teaching. To make sure he and his presence and his word would penetrate her mind and her heart. Proverbs 22.6 says, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. That is a promise. Listen, the devil will try. Make no mistake. I told you last week, I was going through a really bad time. matter of fact, one of the the regrets, one of the things I regretted in my life is that my grandmother, my mom's mom, the pastor, never knew that I really did get it together. She died when I was still all messed up. Emotionally, you know, one of the last things, letters she sent my mom was, you know, is Rhonda still giving you so much fits? And you know, I'm not even kidding. She got mad. My mom got mad that I read her letter, but... um, (laughs) <laughs> you know what? I pulled out of it. Your kids are going to pull out of it. Your kids are going to pull out of it. You got a promise. You got a promise. Not because you were perfect, but because he's faithful to a thousand generations of those who love him and those who serve him. You don't have to be perfect. Please give that up. You'll never be. And he doesn't require it. And all that does is open up a door of guilt and condemnation. And please understand me, that is not what I'm doing tonight. But because you love him, because you serve him, He's going to be faithful to your offspring for a thousand generations. I love that. I love that. Glory to God. Mm -mm -mm. First thing I want you to notice is that word train. How many of you know training is different than just teaching? Or worse yet, just taking them to church where somebody else can teach them because I ain't going to do it. I said that really fast, but did you get that? That word train, according to my Merriam-Webster's Dictionary app, means to teach so as to make fit, to make qualified or proficient. Listen, we ought to be praying with our kids When something happens and adversity comes to your family, don't exclude them. You as a family kneel and confess the word together and pray and remember, uh, remind God of his promises. Let them hear you pray the word. Let them hear you make your case and use your faith. What are you doing? You're training them for the day of adversity. I told you, and Destiny, just forgive me, but I told you, you know, she got really hurt when when she was a little girl. And you know why? We were doing our best to put everything in her we could. And, you know, sometimes you just look at your kids and you wonder, is any of that really soaking in there? Are they getting any of that? But she called us. We had guests in our home, a guest speaker in our home. And she called us in the bathroom and she said, Mom, Dad, I really, when I fell down the stairs, I really got hurt. Something is wrong on the inside of me. And she said, can you pray with me? But she didn't even wait on us. Girlfriend took off, quoting scripture, binding, rebuking the devil, Uh, I mean, commanding healing to be in her body. I'm standing over her looking at Mark with my mouth hanging open. Mark is looking back at me with his mouth hanging open, and girlfriend is conducting spiritual business. I'd never seen it before, but it was in there because we had put it in there by praying with her and letting her hear us pray and letting her hear us confess the word and letting her hear us use our faith, our, our, our you know, uh, uh, sword of the spirit, which is the word of God to win battles. Then when the day of adversity came, she knew how to do it. Well, good for you, Pastor Rhonda. If that's what you're getting, you're missing my point. You have the opportunity to change a generation, not just your kids, but this world by the example you set and the people that you pour into every single day. The second uh, meaning in, in Webster's Dictionary is to make prepared as by exercise for a test of skill. How many of you know the tests of life are coming? Even to your children and your grandchildren. But if they've already know how to exercise those spiritual muscles, if they already know how to wield their sword of the Spirit, if they've already got an arsenal of Scripture built up on the inside of them, then they're going to be ready. Well, Pastor Ronda, they're just kids. Well, good Lord, I wish adversity never came to a kid. But it does. The third definition for train is to direct the growth of, usually by bending or pruning. I tell you, my mom, she pruned me, chased me to the car with her belt. When I said I wasn't, when I announced I wasn't going to church as a teenager. Trust me, I went, half a step ahead of that swinging belt. God met me there. He met me there. To aim, uh, definition number four, to aim at an object or an, or an objective to direct. Training requires effort on your part to impart to them and get them going in the proper direction. Whether that's spiritual children or natural children or grandchildren or whoever it is that you have influence over. Psalms 127, 4. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are the children of the youth of thy youth. Happy is the man that hath this quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. i tell you, verse 4 there, when a warrior, uh, it says, as arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. When a warrior would take an arrow into his hands to shoot at an enemy. I mean, they didn't have machine guns back then. They didn't have guns of any sort. They had bows and arrows and swords and, you know, it was hand-to-hand combat. How many of you know he wouldn't just take an arrow out, put it in his bow and let it go? No, what would happen? It would fall at his feet and it wouldn't accomplish anything. Twenty Proverbs twenty two six out of the Amplified Classic. Ah, uh, I don't know if I have time. Train up a child in the way he should go, and in keeping with his individual gift or bent, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Listen, look for the gifts and the graces in your children. They'll give you clues to their destiny, clues to what God ha- has asked them to do with their life. Let me put my glasses on see if somebody's in here. Hang on a minute. Okay. Miss Agatha, Abigail, she's not in the she's not in here. she, she is in here. <gasps> okay. I don't it's okay. Okay. Uh, that girl at preschool is a preacher of the gospel. She is. she, she just leaks <laughs> preaching everywhere she goes. In Walmart, she's posted all kinds of videos of her here and there just preaching up a storm. How many of you know that grace is a little visible? With my daughter, the Lord said, if you'll seek me, I'll teach you how to raise her. How many of you know that goes for you too? One of the things he told me was that uh, something was part of her destiny someday. And so from when the time she was little, I began to work and give her skills in that area. Look for the gifts and the graces in them and help nurture them so that they're ready and can fulfill their destiny in God when it's time. So when an archer takes an arrow in his hand and he puts it in the bow, the first thing he has to figure out is where is this arrow supposed to go? If all he did was shoot it any direction, how many of you know that's no better than it flopping to the ground? No, watch the target. What do we want our children to, to, to be when they grow up? And I'm not talking about a doctor or a lawyer or, bless God, a football player or a star athlete. I never could do it, but they're going to do it. They're going to do it just because I never could. Oh, come on. Don't do that to your kid. Or, you know, I was never, uh, I wanted to be a ballet dancer and I never had the chance. And so you stick your daughter into every, every ballet thing and she hates it. Don't do that. Don't try to live your dreams through them. That's not what I'm talking about. Well, let me see. I want them to be able to support me when I'm old, so what, what's a good paying occupation I can force them into? <laughs> After all, I want them to support me in the manner in which I want to become accustomed. Do that to your kids. What's God called them to? Where's their get, grace? Where's their gifts? Help them find it. Help them find it and then help them fulfill it. What are you doing? your aim in that arrow? But it's not just in uh, occupation or, or what they do with their lives. What, what skills do you want them to have as adults? I, I want my, my children to be honest. To tell the truth. So we worked to reinforce that. We told her, if you lie to us, you're going to get punished double. If you tell us the truth and confess, you'll be punished less. Why? Because the truth is important. I wanted her to be a hard worker. So what did I do? We modeled that before her. What is it you're shooting at? Not not occupation, but character traits. Godliness. What, what is it you're trying to do? What is it they need to do? Where should you be aiming that arrow in your bow? Towards honesty and integrity and hard work and uprightness and, and knowing not being easily swayed by the crowd. Being a leader, not just a blind follower off a cliff. Then you aim them and you, then what does an archer do? He gets a, he gets that arrow and he puts it in his bow and he decides where it needs to go. Then what does he do? He puts his effort in pulling back that string to propel that child forward, to propel that arrow forward. You know, it takes effort to raise godly children. It takes effort to help them get where they need to be in God. Your efforts in prayer, your efforts in training, your efforts in being the example before them. And again, if you haven't done any of those things, then good Lord, just ask for a crop failure and do your best from here. I've asked for more than one crop failure. can't do anything about the past and don't sit there and beat yourself up don't that's not what i'm doing and if you do that i'm gonna be mad at you and the devil you can't help what went before but you can help what you do from this moment forward they need our effort behind them They need our example before them, an example of worship in your home. I I should really have cleared this stuff with people before I start standing here and telling people's business. But, you know, I remember Ted and Gail, when their kids were younger, they used to have Holy Ghost meetings in their house. They'd all get skunk drunk in the Holy Ghost together. When their kids were little, when their kids were teenagers, they'd be running around the house just, I'm doing laps in the Holy Ghost. Worship with them. Teach them to worship. Pray with them. Let them hear you pray. But pray with them. Teach them to pray. Then you agree with them while they pray. That legacy is important to God. And it's one of the few things of lasting value we can give to our kids. Listen, forgive me, but money comes and money goes. Reality is it's all going to burn in the end. That big house, the, the fancy cars, it's all going to burn. None of it's going to matter 100 years from now. But what we put into them of God is going to change the generations to come. And so I asked Nathaniel to learn this song because it went right along with my sermon. I'm ready for you, dude. I was trying to step out of the way, and I went right to his keyboard.
1: No pressure. (laughs) Thank you, Father. You're so good. She told me to to sing this song, and it amazed me how much like my life it was. So I may have a little trouble, but I think we're gonna be okay. Grandma used to pray out loud her bed every night in tongues to me it sounded like mumbling like she was out of her mind she said boy this kind of praying is what saved my life you ought to try it sometime and now i know she was right she was talking to jesus talking to Jesus. This is me. Mama used to drag me to church Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights in khaki pants and a polo shirt and boy, I put up a fight. She said, son, one day you'll thank me for having God in your life. I know she was right. Yeah, my mama was right, cause I am talking to Jesus. She got me talking to Jesus. She got me talking to Jesus. Was right, she got me talking to Jesus. And what a friend we have in Jesus! What a friend we have in Jesus! What a friend we have in Jesus! Whoa. What a friend we have in Jesus! What a friend we have in Jesus! What a friend we have in Jesus. Oh. <laughs> now I've got three, actually four of my own, trying to raise them up right. My oldest is 15, and I remember what it was like. Trying to deal with the drama, and trying to figure out the questions in life. I've been looking for a way to show him how to make it all right. And then one day he walked in my room while I was saying my prayers. He said, oh, I'll come back later. I can tell you've got a lot on your mind. I said, no, it's not an interruption. You couldn't have picked a better time. Cause I was talking to Jesus Come over and give it a try We started talking to Jesus We started talking to Jesus Oh, And now he's in a blaze And he's talking to Jesus Every day I hear him Talking to Jesus And it's gonna be for the rest of his life And the other three too Cause I showed them how right Now listen to this There's no wrong way to do it There's no bad time to start It doesn't have to sound pretty Just tell Jesus what's on your heart Cause it's not a religion It's more like a friendship So just talk to your father Like you are his kid right now Start talking to Jesus Just where you're at Oh, just start talking to Jesus Oh, we praise you, Lord We praise you, Lord. Just start talking to Jesus. Just start worshiping Jesus. Jesus, oh will you sing that with me what a friend we have in Jesus what a friend we have in Jesus what a friend we have in Jesus oh what a friend what a friend we have in Jesus what a friend we have in Jesus what a Jesus
0: Ooh. there's nothing more important there's nothing more important from generation to generation to generation to generation you know what there's a million reasons why I shouldn't have been able to do this sermon tonight My daddy just died on this last Saturday. And uh, you know why I can stand up here? Because I know he's in my future, not just my past. There's nothing like being in heaven with the generations before and the generations that will be yet to come that faith that living faith passed down from generation to generation to generation there's nothing more important there's nothing more important and what he said is true it's never too late to start Listen, you may have stunk at raising kids, but that's okay. Just put it under the blood, dust off, and start from today. You don't have to have a red ribbon, but you can plead the blood through your line. You can cover your kids and their kids and the kids you don't even know that will come if the Lord tarries in generations after. Just start today. Just start today. Be the example. Show them how to do it. So not only did my daddy go home on Saturday. But today is my mama's birthday. I spent the day planning my daddy's funeral. But you know what? It's all good. Because waiting on the other side will be my daddy, my mama, my grandma on both sides, my great grandmas, all the way back to that dude hundreds of years ago who spent untold hours praying for the generations that were to come, whose prayers are still working today. Sow into the eternal. Sow into that which can never be taken away. Because sadly life comes and goes all too quickly. that promise of eternal life is everything. I intend to walk on the streets of gold with the generations before and the generations that have come after. Because I believe the blessing of God will be on my children and their children. And their children and their children because I served him because I served him because I loved him because I prayed because I did my best and he's a faithful God he is not just the God of Abraham but the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob generation after generation after generation what is your story I can't think of anything that's more important than walking with Jesus, talking with Jesus, and teaching those coming after us to do the same, passing on a living faith in God. So when I was deciding whether or not I could actually do this tonight. I decided I couldn't think of a better way to honor my mom and daddy. So if you're looking over tonight, I thank you from the bottom of my heart for giving me Jesus, for passing on to me a legacy of faith that has sustained me and will as long as there is breath within me. And we'll sustain the generations that follow after. Thank you, Mama. Thank you, Daddy. I love you. We hope you're inspired by today's message. If you want to hear more from the Word of God, head over to cwol.org. Check us out on YouTube or any social platform under at Seawall Madison. We believe God is working within you, and we want you to know Him so you too can make Him known.